Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Huck Breeze, and I am joined here once again by Scott Shettig and also our wide receiver expert from 2020, Neil Pilgrim. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Doing good. It's good to be back. How you doing, Neil? Yeah, doing good. Doing good. Good to talk about Neil, is this your first podcast? Have you done oh, any? Yeah. I guess I'm the wide yeah. receiver expert. Uh, <laughs> don't know how yeah. to is 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 this your first podcast? Did you do any last year or no? Uh, is this the first year? You, this is the second year because I did we've done, we've, we've done three years worth of podcasts. So. Okay, then I then I was definitely on one like the first year. Yeah, twenty nineteen. I, I, I made some sort of uh, Minshew comment that I kind of regretted. It really came back in the beginning. Yeah. So maybe Man, it was last year. You've been uh, you've been harking on that for a few years, huh? The mint, the mint shoe. I, I just don't think it's going to happen for me this year. Can't sleep at night with the with with mint shoe on the mind. But okay, maybe maybe we'll get into that. Maybe there'll be a mint shoe mention uh, coming up. And when you get into wide receivers, sometimes mint shoe can make an appearance. So maybe we'll we'll talk about him going forward. Um, all right, before we jump into wide receivers, we want to keep it light. So. Um, are, are we watching anything, Neil? Do you have anything that you're watching now to try to fill uh, some time before, you know, I, I know in a month we're going to be jumping into round the clock NFL coverage where we're, we have NFL Network on or the, looking at Roto World or just trying to fill our heads full of meaningless stats. Is there anything that you're watching right now uh, prior to that time? Uh, yeah, currently. Uh... In the background, we got working moms on these days. Uh, I'm usually behind on new shows, so nothing new. I know it's uh, they say it's like five seasons in or something, but we're running through that, kind of really enjoying that. It's dark adult humor. There's yeah, some there's some boobies involved, so I looked up. So, oh wow, <laughs> I saw I saw the previews on that, and I I did not expect breasts uh especially bared up breasts but if yeah. i if i was going to see bared up breasts i would expect them to be in kind of a uh mommy milker way not uh <laughs> not not a sexual way you know the the kind where you see with the with, with the baby on the teat yeah this is not that kind uh no no it's it's, it's a little more sad depressing way at, at times but no it's 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 funny i guess it's uh what was it this is 40 was like some uh really dark adult humor yeah uh compare it to but still some gratuitous you know sexual activity uh but you know (laughs) i i love this 40 but you know when you talk about depressing breasts i don't i don't i don't connect the two those (laughs) i assume they must be diseased or like starving (laughs) or something you know where you somewhere you're just like oh that's depressing Right, zombie tits, dead person tits. I, I don't know. I no, no, I, I don't think the the tits aren't depressing. It's it's just... okay because that's what I had imagined was just like I see the breasts and all of a sudden I'm sad. Story you know? long right. Right. Wow. It's, it's, sad yeah, boobs. Yeah. 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 Anyway, um, I, I started watching this new show. Not nearly as depressing. Actually, I take that back. It is kind of depressing. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet Tooth um, is the show on Netflix. And just a little premise, I'm not going to get too deep in it, but it has Will Forte. I love Will Forte. Pretty much anything Will Forte does is absolutely amazing. So, uh, and he plays the Pubba, which is the father of this hybrid 
kid. Uh, and when I say hybrids, I mean kids that are half human, half animal, uh, kind of like animorphs. And the world has become uh, kind of diseased, kind of like COVID-19 that we saw in the past couple of years. So everybody's in quarantine and it's been going on for like 10 years. And most of the planet blames the hybrids, the hybrid children for this disease. And they brought it on. So there's a half the world is hunting for these hybrid kids so they can kill them and bring it back to normal. And then half the world's trying to protect these hybrid children from the people hunting them because the only cure for this disease uh, can come from these hybrid children by dismantling them, doing surgery on them and making this antidote. So it's, um, it's a weird show. But but I like it and it's uh and just one I wa- season I binged the, yeah the first season just came out and it's Warner Brothers so it, it is kind of it's not this hole in the wall you know kind of show it's actually a you know a, a good production high budget and um and it's great I mean the first season's been been pretty good and uh you know I watched it all the way through but I can't say that it's not depressing. Uh, there are a few moments where I'm like, oof, gosh, that is rough. Uh, you know, cussing, violence, stuff like that. And, you know, kids dying, surgery kind of thing. But anyway, if you want to check it out, you can check it out. You know, again, something to fill the time. I've been watching Euros. I'm sure Neil has been watching Euros. We're down to one last game, a big game. Uh, my English versus Neil's. Italians, it's going to be, it's going to be a big matchup. Uh, you know, I always enjoy international soccer, so that's uh, coming up this Sunday, and we will definitely spend the Sunday watching that together. Uh, Scott, do you have a preference of who wins the Sunday? You know, um, I guess, I guess I would prefer England just because Italy has won won more championships in the past decade or, you know, the past 20 years. Um, And they really haven't won anything in a long time. Having said that though, the English are extremely obnoxious winners. Like, Oh man, are they obnoxious? Um, You really can't say that. No, you can't. Have you heard? They haven't been in a final in anybody's but life that, but that's but that's what i'm saying is even when they're not in finals they're so annoying so it's like i can't imagine if they win it like they're usually like in the round of 16 acting like they're hardcore and then they just get kicked out and you don't have to listen to them for another year or two and now it's like fuck if they win this he's coming home for like the next two years so yeah. I, I don't i don't know if i want to hear that but I think it would be good for them. You know, they haven't won anything since what, like 1966. So, right. Most people last time they were in a final were not alive. I mean, these are the Yankees fans and the Cowboys fans of, of international soccer. They are annoying. I get it. Uh, But it's nice to see sometimes them win. I mean, if we saw the Cowboys get into the playoffs and go deep into the playoffs, even though we would be annoyed by their fans and them talking about 92, 93, 94 and the hold, Emmett Smith, Troy Aikman days, it does bring a little warmth to your heart to see these people coming back, you know, bringing stuff up from your childhood. I I think in in 20, 30 years, maybe we'll talk about the Patriots in the same light and Tom Brady and, 
you know, because the Patriots are due for going through 10, 20 years of just awfulness. Uh, and so, you know, we will probably, they will be thrown into obscurity for the next couple decades. And, you know, if they do make a comeback, we'll say, hey, remember that Tom Brady guy? Remember that Randy Moss guy? Remember when they almost set a record by going 17-0 and or not 17, I'm sorry, 19-0? and Anyway. Getting, getting off topic here. Let's talk about some football. Aaron Rodgers, okay, had a thing yesterday. He had a, a little golf tournament that he played with um, Tom Brady, uh, Bryson DeChambeau, and who's the other one? Phil. Phil Mickelson. Was it Phil? It was, oh, okay. it was Tom and Phil versus Bryson and Aaron Rodgers. Okay, yeah, and Tom and Phil fell a bit short. So Aaron got the best of Brady in that. I'm sure he would love to have gotten the best of him in the uh, NFC championship last year, but uh, you know, he he'll take wins where he can get them. Did you watch that? Did either any of us watch this, this golf matchup, the match? Can't say I did. Mm -hmm. I knew it was going on, but still just didn't really pique my interest that much. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it would be interesting to see the ratings on this because a year ago I couldn't take my eyes off it. I knew it was a uh, Peyton and, and uh, it was Peyton and tiger, right? Peyton and tiger versus Phil and, and Tom. Uh, like, so. So I, I, it wasn't tiger, just awful television. Like, or he just very, there's no chit chat. No, like, I feel like Phil's going to talk to you and stuff, but tiger's just like, no. Oh. Oh yeah, Phil. Phil is an interesting golfer. I mean, he wants to hit bombs, drive bombs, and do all that sort of stuff. He's somebody that will talk throughout the course. If you put a mic on Tiger Woods, if he was mic'd up during any of his, you know, million wins, I just I don't think it's intriguing. Uh, you know, something to listen to. So yeah, but you always like watching Tiger Woods play golf. Uh, you know, but th this is probably pretty good. I don't know. The only difference is there's other sports on. So I kind of divided my attention. I didn't really have that much, much interest. I don't know if it could ever bring my interest back watching, uh, you know, two celebrities or two sports stars and two golfers tee it up, but maybe it could, if they had the right people, I don't know, just not this combo, I guess. I, I don't know. It, it would have been kind of cool to maybe see the casual interaction of these quarterbacks that we only see on the field and stuff. And Brady's always uptight and not right. giving you much. And it was, it was kind of cool. There was, there was a clip of both the guys uh, throwing the football to each other. So, you know, you get some little cool little snippets nice. like that. But Yeah, Brady opens up when he's off the field. Uh, Brady is... Avocado with, tequila, man. Right. With, with the kind of person he is on the field and how people how much people hate him you know on the field as an on the field person even off the field person uh he really sometimes makes you want to like him <laughs> uh just with his posts on on social media and the way he talks and his drive and you know the things that he does as far as his diet and whatever sometimes it's just like man, I really actually do like Tom Brady. I wish I didn't, but I, I actually do. Um, I, I'm indifferent. I don't hate or like Tom Brady. I feel like he dominated the AFC in a time where I knew the Texans would not compete. So uh, now that he's in the NFC, I, 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 again, 
I'm really indifferent. I, I don't have an opinion, but we're not talking about Tom Brady. We're talking about Aaron Rodgers and whether he's going to be a Packer or not. Shetta, give me a take. Do you think he's going to be a Packer? Uh, you know, I just, at this point, I don't think he is going to be a Packer. Everybody that knows him really well says that he's a dug in, uh, you know, stand by my word. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to backtrack on what I say kind of guy. And if that's true, you know, if he really is a man of his word, then he should just stay home for a year I and mean, watch the Packers, watch Jordan Love, let them do, let them do their things. I don't think the Packers aren't going to trade him. So it, it doesn't matter. If anything, they're going to force him to sit out. And at the end of the day, there are pretty much, there's like, I was going to say 32, but there's really like 28 teams getting ready for the next season. The other four decided, oh, we're not going to have a training camp because, you know, you don't need to get ready for the NFL season, apparently, according to the Texans and a few other teams. Yeah, I was going to say, Texans are one of those, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, no, it's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever First heard. First year head coach, no training camp. Ooh, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Wait, wait, set, set so a real good example here. No, lead, leading by example. No, no training camp for the Texans. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the Packers went ahead and were like, hey, we're getting ready for next season and gave Jordan Love as many reps as they could. And I mean, I don't know what I mean, Rogers, I understand like he wants to have his way. And like if you want to be a spoiled little bitch, then be a spoiled little bitch. But like either you're if you're going to do that, you got to sit out the whole year. And that's it. Either he's going to play for the Packers or he's sitting out the whole year. And I think it's going to be it's going to be tough because I I think he's going to come back um, just because at some point he's going to be like, well, if I'm not the Packers quarterback and I'm not quarterback for someone else, then I'm not famous anymore. And I think that would be such a big hit to his ego that it, he wouldn't allow that to happen because he, he's a real egotistical piece of shit. So you have no like inkling that the Packers will move him. I don't think so. I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to trade him because if you trade him now and you watch him go win a Super Bowl somewhere like Brady did last year, your, your whole fan base is going to hate you. Gotcha. Neil, do you got any take on this? You think Rogers is going to be a, a quarterback for the Packers? And if not, where do you think he ends up? If he ends up anywhere. So, um, I, Maybe I'm glass half full kind of guy. I, I, I just I, I know a lot of people have sat out in the last few seasons. Zeke threatened to. I, I don't remember if that actually like went into the full. Season. I think it was like four weeks. Yeah, it's just gosh, somebody like Rogers. It's hard for me to see Rogers completely sitting out. Uh, but I, I, I think he'll be. Yeah, you like you said, it's uh, you got like two week, two months until the. Beginning of the season, it seems yeah, like yeah, about summer. almost to the day. He he's just so laissez-faire with the situation right now. Just he's still got all that long hair. Trips to Hawaii, just not not, just doesn't really seem like he cares. But something behind the scenes has to be going down, and so, some sort of work has to be done. I I think at the end of the day he'll be playing with the Packers. But it doesn't make me feel very good drafting him or somebody like Devontae <laughs> Adams or or Aaron Jones. It's just because those people's value completely changes if Tom, if uh, Aaron Rodgers isn't in Green Bay. And if he isn't in Green Bay, I don't know. I, I know a lot of people or a lot of Denver fans want him over there, but it's hard to see him anywhere else. Right. But Green Bay can't yeah. trade him now because if they got draft picks, then those draft picks aren't even good till next year. So. There's no point in trading them now for Green Bay. 
Well, I mean, it, from a time that that Green Bay has been criticized so much in the past for not using their draft picks correctly and not doing this. And, and I'm not saying that Aaron Rodgers doesn't give a shit about the Packers. If he's leaving the Packers, he does not give a shit about the future of the Packers, like at all. Um, so the, on Aaron Rodgers' mind, whether they get first, second round picks doesn't really matter to them. Uh, but why would they draft Jordan Love two years ago? Or I'm sorry, last year. And then when their star quarterback threatens to leave, they balk at a chance to totally restructure their draft for next year. Like, I just, I guess I'm not there. I'm not getting the front office, you know, table talk that they, that they must have had with the Jordan Love pick saying, oh, this guy's too good to pass up. Um, you know, they did very well by getting Aaron Rodgers in the same situation because Brett Favre was the guy and they got Aaron Rodgers. Brett Favre was all pissed. I mean, we see, you know, the deja vu, uh, you know, 10, 12, I'm sorry, it was, uh, 12 years later. But I just don't get at this point when Brett wanted to leave, Brett left. When Aaron Rodgers wanted to leave, I feel like they're, they're kind of holding on to him a little bit tighter than, than they did Brett. I don't personally see him playing for the Packers. And it's a huge gray area of, of where he'll go. I don't know. I don't know what team. The Broncos is obviously the pot, most popular. And I know we've talked about this in past podcasts. But I just, it, it's a very rock hard place situation because I don't see him playing for the Packers. I don't see, uh, I, I'm sure there's a, a bunch of people lining up to say, hey, I'll give you next year for this year. I'll give you next year's first round pick for next year, for, for this year, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I just, I don't know. If, if I had to pick a team, it'd be Denver. I think that Denver is the only spot in the NFL where, you know, it's an, it's an NFC, AFC transfer. So the Packers can say goodbye and we're not going to talk to you for a while. Um, you know, the, the Broncos are ready to make a run at the, at the, chiefs um and and the you know the packers can go ahead and and recharge their their draft pick uh you know stash for the next one two maybe even three years i know we just talked about deshaun watson and how he could fetch three or four first round picks i mean i don't see why rogers can't fetch two maybe three so i mean we'll have to see but like like neil said if, if he's not secure and somewhere, you know, solid by the time the draft rolls around, oh, man, I, I don't know where you where you pick this guy. I don't know. I don't know where you pick Devontae Adams. I don't know, you know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, um, you know, other people in that uh, in 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 that spectrum tight ends, wide receivers, anybody that's off Aaron Jones, all these offensive Packers. It's just anybody's guess. You're gambling at that point. Obviously Devonte Adams is going to be somebody that you draft in the second or third round um, in, in any draft, maybe in the first round, if you're, if you're one of those wide receiver, you know, pe- people that value wide receiver more than we do. Um, 
Granted, right. it's a little different for other people, though, because we're drafting a lot earlier than most leagues True. do. True. We get antsy. We get antsy. And a lot of people hate on us for that. Anybody that's not, uh, you know, gridiron faithful has been playing since 2003. They're like, why do you draft so early? Anything could happen. People could get injured, traded, dropped, released. Yeah. Stay in Hawaii. That's what you're looking for. <laughs> that's, that's why we do it. We do it early. So you, so you're kind of gambling. So it makes it like, even though that whole month prior to the season is nerve wracking and feels like six months, it's like, oh my God, I've had this team forever. I want to see them play. Um, even and, you got your, it's like the, and you got your guys right now that you can get around two rounds, maybe even three rounds ahead of where they will be. And, you yep. know, a, Absolutely. a week or two before the NFL season watching training camp, watching hard knocks, watching all this stuff unfold. And you're like, I got this guy in the 15th round, 16th round. I, I pretty much stole him. And now he's the starter. Uh, we see it every year. It's, it's just something we do. We pride ourselves on, on being a little bit more knowledgeable than the, the average, uh, you know, football, fantasy football fan. And I know that's kind of, pompous and conceited to say but it's just it's just how we are and that's what we that's how we roll so anyway that same stat against most podcasts i listen to most fantasy football podcasts i listen to are just god awful (laughs) yeah i know i mean they're gonna say the cookie cutter thing you know they're gonna go into their wide receiver podcast and say you know what have you ever heard of this guy julio jones did you know he was on the titans that's who you got to grab. Um, we're not going to talk about it, or I think, I don't know, maybe Shedig has some uh, receivers in his bag, like, you know, uh, like Julio Jones or, or talk about Devontae Adams. I'm going to pride myself on finding value. You know, that's my wide receiver strategy, uh, which is next up. I like to find value. Neil knows this about me. Second year players, whether it be wide receivers, quarterbacks, running backs, whatever. I love them. I think they got a year under their belt uh, in their rookie season. They are primed to make the big jump to those top five, top 10 type receivers. And you can get them cheaper than you could somebody like Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, Michael Thomas. You can get those guys uh, after they make the jump from year one to year two for a way cheaper round, maybe three, four rounds deeper. So that's kind of my theme. I look for those guys who got over their rookie year and now are, or maybe in their third year, you can even say their third year and look for those guys that are going to be really, really good value. Shedig, tell me about your wide receiver strategy. You've never been a wide receiver aficionado, you know, not, not putting you down, um, but you felt obviously, like, well, it is, it's kind of backhanded, but you know, it is, it is a compliment nonetheless. What's your strategy? What, what do you go into the draft looking for? Um, for me, it's, it's really about the connection they have with their quarterback. You got to have a good connection with the quarterback and the quarterback's got to have an arm and some fucking balls. Cause there's, a, there's whole teams I'll, I'll avoid like Miami, not going to, I'm not taking any wide receiver in Miami. Like I just, I just won't do it. I don't care if they're there in the 15th round. I just, I do not want to depend on Tua to throw it to a wide receiver. You know, the same thing with Las Vegas. 
Like just David Carr does not throw Derek Carr does not throw to wide receivers. He just there. I'm all about connections to the quarterback. Um, that's really where I've, I've kind of stood my ground for wide receivers over a long period of time. I think that they are a great position to do a lot of research on because you have three starters. So, I mean, that's a lot of points that you're either putting up or not. And there are a lot of people that put up goose eggs with their third wide receiver and stuff. So it's just, it's one of those positions that you, you can wait on in the draft if you've done your research and find a lot of uh, a lot of really good players. Okay, Neil, what, what do you think? I mean, you had the most points for wide receivers last year in our league. So uh, tell me about it. What what's your strategy going in? Oh man, my strategy going in. I don't I don't want to give away too many too many things here, but geez. it's always tough being on the podcast trying to balance <laughs> between giving away your draft and uh, you know showing that you do have information that you'd like to share. So no, no, like uh, last year was pretty typical of what I like to do with wide receiver. I don't know if I'll be doing it this year. You know, wide receiver is quite the deep position. I feel like they say that every year, but this year seems especially deep at the position, but I, I usually like to go that, that wide receiver or try to get that solid wide receiver one. It's probably why I'm not usually, up here in the upper echelon of wide receiver rankings year after year, because I don't usually hit that one. It does not usually work out for me, but it did this year. It and boomer bust. I, I took reek kind of did the same thing with running backs. Got Derrick Henry for that first one. Just could be bad. Could be just kind of like that boomer bust strategy, but that first wide receiver, I usually get in that third round, just trying to get some sort of, you know, you want to get that wide receiver two that you drafted that ends up a wide receiver one, but sometimes you, you just want to have that, that solid guy as well. But yeah, once you get that, that boom guy, I, I feel like my second receiver, I usually like that floor and that, that's, that's where I got uh, Robert Woods and you can just kind of move down the draft a little wide receivers that you're getting about 30. I feel like a lot of them, yeah. Kind of under, undervalued there. And then, you know, I feel like lately, especially last year, you got you got to look towards the rookies. You, you were saying second-round guys, the young guys, but it's, it's not taking these rookies long to get involved. And, it, I, yeah, it's just, it's just not taking them very long. And somebody like Chase Claypool uh, was – uh, 20th round of the draft last year, Mr. Irrelevant. Ayuk, um, I got him in the 19th round. Um, and these guys were good. I'm not saying that they're not good, but they were just uh, in in the past. And historically, rookie wide receivers have not been good. Justin Jefferson uh, went undrafted in our league, which is bonkers in itself. Uh, went undrafted in our league and was amazing. And But Besides that, rookie wide receivers don't really tow the load for any team um, for whatever reason, it, along with tight ends. But it's, it's, just, it's just about value because you're just getting them so low. Usually, yeah, somebody kind of like Jamar Chase this year, you know, going back with Joe Burrow and everybody wants a piece of that, it seems. But you got to pay the price. But these guys. Is way down the draft board. You're throwing darts. I, I don't really want to throw darts at somebody like this year. It'd be like T.Y. Hilton for me. I don't know. I yeah. But uh, I, I'm going to throw darts at younger guys that 
who aren't going to come off the field all that often, they're going to give reps, especially if it's kind of like a not so good team. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like you got to be an expert by uh, fielding Hill, obviously Reek, um, uh, Robert Woods, uh, Jameson Crowder, Brandon Ayuk, and uh, T.Y. Hilton. I think that was a late addition uh, because yeah. I drafted him last year. But but yeah, Jameson Crowder, obviously that that good third round value uh, or third receiver value. I'm I'm going to disagree with you uh, both a little bit. You know, they're they're a piece that I agree with. I think um, Shedig's looking at quarterback and and having good quarterback play is not always uh, the best move when you're looking at at wide receivers, you've seen some of the best wide receivers, some of the most successful wide receivers come out of bad or under average quarterback play. You look at a guy like Allen Robinson, who's, you know, I'm not going to slander Bortles on this podcast or any podcast, but he's played with some underwhelming quarterbacks over the past, you know, four or five years, his whole career probably. And he's always been an upper echelon wide receiver, always been somebody that we can count on as a wide receiver two, borderline wide receiver one. Um, so sometimes you just need a guy, like Neil said, that doesn't come off the field, that can be reliable and who the game plan runs through, uh, good or bad. Um, on the wide receiver standpoint from, you know, drafting rookies, uh, that's always a, uh, you know, a risk. Claypool, we talked about Claypool, and uh, trust me, I love Claypool. I think he's great. Um, in seven weeks last year, Claypool scored uh, above 30 points. It was amazing. It was just absolutely bonkers. Um, in the other seven weeks, it was I think it was below 10, most weeks below five. He was boom or bust every single week. Um, when I said 30 points, I, I think I meant 20 points. Um, 30 points is quite high. But he was boomer bust every single week. If you want to play that game with rookies, um, if you want to play the game where it's like, I want to wait for them to show up. He was good in college. He's got to be good, you know, some in some of these games. And some weeks you might be eating a two, three, four point week uh, or even a goose. So, uh, you know, I don't know. It, I'm not downing rookie wide receivers. There will be some rookie wide receivers that I talk about um, when we talk about these divisional, uh, you know, breakdowns. But Overall, it's just not my jam. I'm not a big wide receiver rookie guy. Uh, let's jump into some trivia for this week. It'll be fun to see if you guys can get some of these. Uh, you guys ready? Yeah, let's do it. Three players. There's the top 10 fantasy seasons of all time. Only three players have multiple seasons within those top 10. Can you name them? Shedding. Give me one. Randy Moss. Randy Moss. Correct. Uh, I believe he has number one and number five. Neil, can you name another? The first name I think is Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison is another one. Uh, has five and nine. He also has 11. So he's very close to being the only one with three in the top Play, 10. Playing with Peyton uh, pays yep. off. <laughs> yep. There was a day where we talked about uh, Peyton Manning, Marvin Harrison, and Dallas Clark. Almost to the same extent that we talked about, we talk about Mahomes, Kelsey, and Reek. 
it was a formidable trio there. Um, last week, I didn't get enough tight end talk about Dallas Clark and the, his historical run. He has, I think, two of the top 10 years when he played with Peyton. He was pretty good tight end. Uh, anyway, uh, Shetty, can you get the third? Calvin Johnson? Calvin Johnson's incorrect. He has one. I believe number eight. Um, Neil, another guess? Man, I'm, I'm coming up blank. Like For some reason, Marvin is right there, but I got nothing else after that. He's a current player. Yeah, I would think Reek then, if not. Reek was going to be my other guess. Reek is incorrect. Reek, uh, I don't does he even have one? Reek does not have one. Really? Then maybe a, maybe a Michael Thomas? Michael Thomas has one, not two. Then there's the other big guy, Devontae Adams, I would think. Devontae Adams is not in the top ten. No? It's no, probably somebody who's not as good now. Like Julio Jones or something? Yeah. Julio has one, and I believe he has another one down in like 15. He's like – he has one and then like 15 and 18. He has a bunch uh, right there in the oh, middle. Antonio there. Brown? Antonio Brown is correct. Yeah. Uh, so, Antonio yeah, Brown. Because it's like, you know, he's been out of the – out of the limelight for a little bit. And yeah. Is he still crazy? <laughs> oh, yeah. You just give him a chance, man. I think he's starting to apologize for his crazy tones. And, and I think he's doing that uh, because he realizes that his career is kind of on the line. Um, and also, when you play with Tom Brady, he has that effect to say, hey, stop being a shithead. Stop being a dumbass. Uh, but, but yeah, so he would be... The other one, I, I believe he has number two and number four. That year with the Steelers, a couple of years back, uh, yep. just absolutely insane. But the number one is Randy Moss uh, from 2007 when he was playing with um, Tom Brady in, in New England. And then you go down Michael Thomas, uh, the year where he had the most catches ever by a wide receiver, I, I believe number three. So those okay. uh that's the list calvin johnson's also up there in the year he had he broke the yard record um but but yeah that's that's a good start all right next question here um okay out of all wide receivers last year 2020 who was the most targeted Shadig, i'll give you the first guess most targeted most targeted please don't look please do not no, Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs is correct. Nice. Uh, Stefan Diggs had the most targets uh, by, any, by any receiver last year, uh, 166. So six more than DeAndre Hopkins, who was close behind, and 15 more than the guy I was just talking about, Allen Robinson. So I was very go. wrong on that. <laughs> Why? Who are you going to guess? No, I was very wrong on Stefan Diggs last year. I just uh, didn't think I didn't think that was going to pan out nearly like that. Well, we we didn't think Josh Allen would be that kind of quarterback, but now we know he is insane, and he really Eight. opens up that field. Okay, this is the fun one, and this is going to be really tough. I'm just warning you, and we'll go until somebody gets it. Um, so, anybody listening, be prepared to be listening to this podcast for the next hour, hour and a half. <laughs> only only nine players last year had a wide receiver or a receiving touchdown and a return touchdown, which seems kind of low, right? Um, a receiving touchdown and a return touchdown. Can you name one? Shedek. Ooh, that 
it is low because not as many receivers return kicks as they did in the in the back in the past. Mm. Um, is Antonio Brown one of them? Antonio Brown's not one of them. Neil, did Cordell Patterson return a touchdown last year? Cordell Patterson has a rushing touchdown and a return touchdown. No receiving touchdowns. To my dismay, I had him on my fantasy team all last year waiting for a receiving touchdown. He caught like three or four balls every game for like two or three yards. He was the flat guy that just pretty much caught it and got tackled. No receiving touchdowns, so incorrect. Shetty. Did Tyreek return one last year? Tyreek is also incorrect. I'm sorry. Oh, no, he really did not. Not, he not he, I used to have a list of, of DBs and wide receivers that also returned kicks, and now it's just it's just not a thing anymore. We don't just, do that anymore. <laughs> it, it, well, it's, well, people that uh, they're not returning kickoffs. Yeah. Um, I would guess out of this list, let me see. Out of this list, I would say two of these guys returned a kickoff for a touchdown, and one of them was not a full kickoff. It was like an accident. I, I don't know how better I can describe it, but uh, who's up here? I believe Neil, you got another guess. Uh, so they a return touchdown and a right of receiving touchdown. Yes. Please do not look, do not cheat. This oh, is I'm a fun one. Okay. I, I can't think about who returned. You're talking about a flow. Oh, there was some Dallas play or something. CD did CD Lamb do something? CD Lamb is right. CD Lamb had a return touchdown, and uh, of course, you know, a good amount of receiving touchdowns. Uh, but yeah, CD Lamb is one. Shedded, can you get another? There's nine. There's nine. Jeez. So now Uh, there's eight. I was going to guess Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk's incorrect. Christian Kirk did not have a return touchdown last year. Neil, can you get another? I don't remember. Uh, return touchdowns last year. That's um, yeah, digging into the bald. I, I got, I got nothing. I, I got nothing. Yeah. All right. I, I'm not going to make you guess anymore because you've got one. How about Shedding? Can you give me just one? I'll, I'll give you one more guess to just salvage your your trivia. Was it John Brown? Incorrect. I don't know if John Brown got a receiving touchdown last year. Very disappointing year for John Brown. Uh, he didn't. He didn't play. Uh, no, no locket. We've got Keelan Cole. <sighs> I Gunner, call myself a Jaguars fan. Yeah, Gunner <laughs> Olszewski. I don't know how you say. Oh, I was about to guess that. Gunner for the Patriots over there. AJ Brown. And when I say a mistake, uh, this was an onside kick that he grabbed and returned all the way for a touchdown. Uh, Mikko Hardman, I thought, was a good one. That was an easy one, probably. Shetty, where were you? Yeah, Mikko Hardman. Um, Isaiah McKenzie for the Bills. Uh, I feel like every person on the Bills, whether defensive or offensive, had a receiving touchdown last year. So uh, you could have guessed anybody from that team. Uh, C.D. Lamb, obviously we guessed. Jalen Rager for the Eagles had a return touchdown. Jakeem Grant on the Dolphins had a receiving and rushing touchdown. He was good for like three or four weeks. Solid wide receiver three. 
Um, and Byron Pringle. So is he a tight end? Byron Pringle is a wide receiver. Um, he was the guy that replaced when they had injuries to reek and some other people, Pringle was actually a good daily fantasy, a good DFS guy. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Byron Pringle, I don't, he might be tight end wide receiver. Um, let me just make sure here. Uh, Pringle. Yeah. Wide receiver. Uh, 13 receptions, 160 yards, a touchdown, 324 return yards, and a touchdown. Only had 62 points on the year, but nonetheless, is on this list. So we are done with trivia. Let's let's do what we've all what they all have been waiting for, which is our divisional analysis of these wide receivers. People are doing their research, or I hope they're doing their research. If not, it may be a rough year. Let's start with the AFC South. Let's start with you, Shedig. Tell me a guy, a couple guys that you're looking at from the AFC South that uh, that we can dig into. Um, I mean, I think really the, the Titans are just have a fantastic wide receiver core in A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. Uh, I would let someone probably take A.J. Brown early and maybe see if you can get uh, Julio Jones a few rounds later. It could be a decent, a pretty decent value and still have some monster games, maybe not be as consistent or huge of a wide receiver as he used to be. But I think he'd still have a great year over there. Um, and Tannehill has just been looking great or better and better every year, especially with um, – Derek Henry behind him. So to me, that that wide receiving core right there, either one, you can't go wrong. I think AJ Brown would be a strong wide receiver one, even with Julio there, and Julio would still be a great wide receiver too. Every the rest the rest of the division's a little a little shakier for me. Uh Texans, obviously. I mean, Brandon Cooks is the only guy there, really. And other than that, you got what like Kiki Kute or something. It's kind of kind of a sad situation down in Houston, but uh, the Jags will be very, I think, another interesting team to watch for uh, wide receivers wise, though. Yeah, there's tons there. Neil, who do you got from this division? Well, I, I think I'll uh, I'll touch on the Texans. Uh, Shed had kind of mentioned it there, and and Brandon Cooks. Like the Texans have nobody. We still don't know about Deshaun Watson. It's kind of like the Aaron Rodgers stuff. It's there's, there's a lot less on the line, it seems, but just you just don't know what's going to happen there. But somebody's going to throw the ball. The Texans do not have an overpowering run game. It's not like we're going to run it down people's throats. We're probably going to be behind. So they got to throw the ball, it seems. And, you know, Brandon Cooks has done five out of the last six seasons with a thousand yards, four different teams. I assume one of those teams was last year with the Texans. But you always got to wonder with him, it, it's concussions. He had five going into 2020. Um, I didn't see that he had – did he have one again last year? It seems like he got hit. He had, have, it, he had at least one. He played football, so. Yeah, yeah. So he's, <laughs> he's going on six, seven concussions. His brain's got to be mush by, by now. It's the like, one reason why I, I really honestly cannot take – Brandon Cooks is because I feel like he's one concussion away from like his career being over. Cause they're going to need like, at some point they're going to be like, no, 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 this is not more than a game. You need to be out and it's, you know, there's your pick and it's gone. So de- definitely a little risk there, but I, I don't, God, Randall Cobb, I've never owned him in fantasy. Never will. It's just like, he's not, gonna I don't recommend 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's he's not going to do anything for it from you. And then Andre Roberts, I, I, I don't <laughs> It's not going to be a fun year down in Houston, but, you know, what can you do? You got it. So I've got a few guys. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr., again, when I talked about, uh, you know, these second-year guys coming up, uh, I really saw him exceed in the second half of last year. And uh, pretty much all my fantasy um, outlook, not does that. I mean, I won't say all of it. Most of it comes from people who are staying hot. If you show me that you were hot in the second half last year, it's I am more apt to take you this year than if you were hot at the beginning of last year and cooled off towards the end. Uh, pretty much just because I think people figured you out rather than you figuring out the league, uh, and you know, maybe people have better tape on you rather than you have better tape on the rest of the league. Michael Pittman Jr. falls in that category where um, I think in the last three or four weeks, he really showed up and was Philip Rivers one of main underneath target. He can play outside. He can play slot. Um, I know he's got Carson Wentz under there who I have almost no confidence in. I think Carson Wentz is just not very good. And we will see some Jacob Eason this year, but yeah, I, I, I do. But again, this is in the quarterback um, podcast. This is the wide receivers. And so, uh, you know, I'll, I'll talk about Pittman and, and Wentz likes to throw outside. I mean, he had Ertz. He had uh, Goddard there at tight end, and he just couldn't succeed in that two tight end set. Uh, he likes to throw outside to those wide receivers when he was successful. He did do that, um, and Pittman is a big body that can line up out wide. You're, you're going to see T.Y. Hilton, as we saw last year, start to decline, start not to get those uh, big bombs on the outside as much. So uh, look for Pittman. I, I think he's a good wide receiver three, maybe wide receiver two guy uh, that can be drafted pretty late. So I like Pittman. Another guy I like is uh, the all-junior team. And that's, I, I might just call them the Jacksonville Juniors uh, because what we have is uh, at wide receiver, you're going to have Travis Etienne Jr. lined up at wide receiver a lot of times with James Robinson at running back. You got G.J. Chark Jr. You got Marvin Jones Jr. And you got LaVisca Chenault Jr. But I'm going to go with uh, Marvin Jones, Starvin Marvin for this one. So Marvin is a, uh, you know, he was a great wide receiver in Detroit. I had him on my fantasy team all last year. Uh, you had some some pretty good uh, Detroit quarterback play, and, uh, you know, the offense definitely ran through him. Galladay was out most of the year last year, so you definitely got a showcase of Marvin, which you won't probably this year. I think Chark is the number one, and Lavis is going to be uh, that slot guy. You also have Colin Johnson, who I really like. Um, but I, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to have his pick of the litter of who he can throw to. He's set up um, to be pretty good in this offense. Uh, but I think Marvin has that number two guy, that sneaky guy, somebody that you can grab like in the last three rounds of the draft uh, can go for double-digit touchdowns if you give him a shot. Um, he's, he's that good. He was a first page guy. When I say first page guy in Yahoo, uh, when you're looking at, uh, statistics, they give you the top 25. Uh, and so when I say first page, 
He is the top 25 in points at wide receiver last year. Uh, whenever you got a guy like that who moved to a new team, an exciting team, uh, I believe Marvin Jones was, yeah, he was near the end, uh, number 18 in points last year. I have everybody. So um, look for Marvin Jones. He's going to be a steal. Uh, I know he's kind of a veteran, but, uh, you know, it's just somebody to look at later in the draft. So uh, AFC East. We'll start with Neil this time. Who do you got from the AFC East? AFC East. Um, let's see here. Well, i I guess uh, I guess I'll talk a little bit about Jamison Crowder here. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, it's it's just it's just fond memories. I well, I guess I didn't play him in the championship game. I guess that didn't that didn't feel good. But no, I. I, th- I think if uh, if he doesn't get traded, I know there's like he's possibly up for free agency. I think or could uh, end up going elsewhere in the next next two months or so. But if he's still there, he's he's just the slot guy that a rookie quarterback could use often. It's like where do you go? Go to go to your you know hot route or whatever it is. Go to your go to your go to your. Uh, go to your uh, Slot wide receiver there. Um, yeah, your most reliable guy. Ex- exactly. I I know they got Corey Davis this year, and I think that I might even help Jameson Crowder because it, it was obvious that he was the best person on or the best wide receiver on the Jets last year, and that's not a good thing. And if if he has somebody like Corey Davis, even like stretching the field on the other side. And if Denzel Mims becomes kind of the big body that, that they kind of wanted, then I, th- I think Crowder uh, still has a role. And I think it definitely served me a purpose as wide receiver three last year, because you got to have a few of those wide receiver threes that you kind of interchange. It didn't seem to be that hard to get a wide receiver three to throw in there every week, but I, I like Jameson Crowder this year again. Okay. I mean, I, I, I could have called that. Neil, you've been a Jets guy for, gosh, the last 20 years. Chad Pennington, man. Yeah, Chad Pennington, uh, you know, since since the beginning. So uh, you you always look for those Jets, better or worse. Uh, Jameson Crowder really worked out for you this time. Uh, I, I don't know. Denzel Mims and, and uh, Corey Davis, you know, I think Corey Davis can be that number one guy. Uh, Denzel Mims, if he plays like he did in college at, at USC, could definitely be that number two guy. Uh, so, you know, you could see uh, an improvement on this offense, but that also means that Jameson Crowder doesn't get the attention that, that he got last year from an offensive standpoint. So, uh, you know. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a bottom three to four offense, and everybody knows kind of the, the deficiencies that come with uh, having not-so-good quarterback, not-so-good offense. There's less touchdowns to go around. True, true. Shetty, tell me somebody from this division that you like. Uh, you know, there's a couple guys I like. I, I think the division as a whole is a great place to get some decent value for wide receiver threes, like Neil was saying. But, I mean, Stefan Diggs at the Bills, obviously, was a beast last last year. And he, you know, was his first year with Josh Allen at the Bills. And uh, after COVID and no uh, training camps and stuff, and they, he went out there and just killed it. I I have no reason to believe that he could do at least that, if not a little bit better, because this year with just more experience and more, uh, 
you know, more time with uh, Josh Allen, it's going to help a lot. So, but behind him behind on the bills, I mean, I wouldn't really be too interested in like Cole Beasley's or Emmanuel Sanders, just because Stefan Diggs seems to gobble up all the targets there. So, uh, if you want a very late round bench filler, they, they could be, you know, Emmanuel Sanders could definitely do the job, but uh, past that, you know, over, I think over in Miami, maybe I could come around, like you were saying that, you know, good wide receivers can still get production out of bad quarterbacks because they do have great wide receivers in Devonte Parker and Jalen Waddle. And even Will Fuller could, you know, uh, over there now could fill in. Not that Devonte, not that Tua can throw the ball more than five yards, but they are very talented. And there's a very talented uh, defense, and they're very opp- opportunistic. So they should be in good uh, field position def- at times. Um, I wouldn't pay too high a price for uh, for them, but I think you could definitely get them at uh, at a later round for uh, and make a profit off of them. Oh, Tua set up. He set up for success, and that's the embarrassing thing. I think he should do really well. Tua is set up for – definitely set up for success. Like I said, Parker, Waddle, Fuller, even Gusecki. Uh, As long as that offensive line can kind of hold up for him just a little bit, uh, he can be good. Otherwise, unfortunately, you're going to see Jacoby Brissett. (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know. Would Aaron Rodgers fit in here? I don't, I don't know. Again, we're, we're, I don't want to – I mean, if he came down to Miami, if it was just like a retirement home for uh, Florida, you know, being Tom Brady down there in Tampa and, and Aaron Rodgers down there in Miami, that may be fun to watch, but, uh, but definitely all these receivers would be jacked up to the higher rounds if that happened. Um, the only thing holding back these guys is – Tua. Uh, I want to talk about a couple receivers. I'll go to the Jets. Um, I will talk about Corey Davis. I like Corey Davis. I think that uh, these late bloomers, because obviously Corey Davis sucked like his first three years um, in in Tennessee. I I believe he was drafted with Mariota um, in that year, and he just kind of struggled. Even when Tannehill came in, he struggled. I think he struggled with drops, overshadowed by A.J. Brown, because I remember A.J. Brown came in as a number two guy, and Corey Davis was still the number one. Quickly passed him like that, and Corey Davis kind of you know got overshadowed. Last year, Corey Davis showed up, and he, he played some good ball. I mean, definitely ownable as a wide receiver three, wide receiver two. Made him some money because he went to the Jets. If the Jets are going to be, you know, offensively efficient at all it's got to run through Corey davis um you're gonna see that volume with good or bad quarterback play uh zach wilson's gonna try to fit it in to Corey davis mainly because he's the big guy he's the he's the uh you're not gonna see the the crowders on the outsides denzel mims maybe uh but Corey davis is your outside guy uh, and your fade guy, your, your end zone guy had decent stats last year. And again, has a pretty good floor, uh, going in is going to be cheap. Not somebody that, that you're going to draft real high. Uh, another one I want to talk to about volume is Jacoby Myers, Jacoby Myers, uh, Neil, was it you that had him a lot of last year? Yeah. Uh, Some pivotal games there, uh, throughout the middle of the season, he definitely kind of peaked there and came down but yeah wasn't it like like six seven eight catches a game for like a three or four game span 
It, it was I, I felt like I was cheating because I had just picked him up and yeah, he had a few games that is he had twenty, twenty five points. Yeah. Definitely. Like, I mean, you dropped him and, and he cooled off there for a little bit, but this is a guy you can get at the very end. I mean, these, the quarterbacks there for, with Mac Jones and Cam Newton, we have no idea what's going to happen, but one of them is going to be looking for receivers. You cannot play football without throwing to receivers. Yes. You have two excellent tight ends there and a, a pretty decent running game, but you have to get the receivers involved um the rookie there uh, escapes my mind from last year or two years ago i'm sorry and keel harry has asked for a trade he is very upset because jacoby myers has passed him on that uh, that depth chart and jacoby myers is number one receiver over there in new england again somebody you can get the very end is going to gobble up targets especially if we get some mac jones action uh mac jones is not going to be a guy that's going to be running a lot uh, he's going to be the guy that, that gets it to the outside that can spread it around to tight ends. And uh, so, yeah, you could see Jacoby Myers be a top 15, top 20 receiver, a first page guy. Uh, it, so a, a definite interesting pick uh, to, to look at as, as the uh, season progresses and, and somebody you can get at the very, very end of the draft. Okay. Next up AFC North. Shadig, I'll let you start this one. This is your home. Tell me what you got. There's actually a lot of interesting wide receiver uh, tandems in this division, which uh, you normally don't say about the AFC North. But, I mean, I started at the bottom with them. I mean, obviously, Lamar, uh, uh, Lamar Jackson is a great quarterback, but he doesn't throw to his wide receivers too much. They did try to bo- uh, bolster him a little bit, adding Sammy Watkins and somebody else in the draft. But Marquise Brown is still is still technically a top dog there, but I wouldn't bet too much on the wide receivers overpowering the run game or the tight end there. Um, if the Bengals can uh, protect Joe Burrow, I think Jamar, Jamar Chase could be uh, – potential top five wide receiver, maybe not this year, but he could have a very Justin Jefferson like season. Uh, so, uh, uh, they're having an immediate connection with them. If they can keep you know, burrow upright, um, T Higgins and Tyler Boyd are, are nothing to sneeze at either. They can put up a decent amount of yards, but I think the top two wide receiver tandems of this are between the Steelers and, and the Browns. Browns, if Odell Beckham Jr. stays healthy, keeps that knee in one place, Jarvis Landry is an amazing wide receiver on the other side. And really, he's a lot like – it's a lot like Tua for uh, uh, Baker that he's set up for success. He has a lot of great weapons around him. He has amazing running backs behind him. He has amazing wide receivers. He really just needs to just get them the ball in the easiest fashion, basically. And he's really set up for success. And on the other side with Steelers – Chase Claypool came along last year, only overshadowed by Justin Jefferson's amazing season, basically. Uh, Juju is coming back for another year on, on discounted uh, uh, discounted contract. And then Deontay Johnson, uh, for some crazy reason, their Yahoo at least is uh, projecting Deontay Johnson to beat out both of them, which personally I have Claypool beating being the best of the three. But either way, I think they should all have amazing years. I think uh, – this probably Ben's last year. If he can stay upright for it, I think the three of them have a great year. Okay. Neil, what do you think of this division? I'm, I'm kind of in agreement with Shetty. There, it's There's really 
interesting options on because some divisions you just you just don't know everything kind of looks gross but there <laughs> you, you just don't know where to go with each t- like a lot of int- interesting options like with Pittsburgh you know you got Schuster you got Claypool and you got Deontay Johnson it's just, you, you don't know where to go and yeah. I, I think I think the same thing uh, in, in Cincinnati I I, I kind of really like that Cincinnati trio, you know, Tyler Boyd always gotten overshadowed there and AJ Green's now finally out of the way. By the way, would you guys have even known that AJ, AJ Green finally played 16 games last season? Would, would you have known? No way. I would have lost that bet. He got blanked a lot. I I feel like he got blanked three or four weeks. I figured because he was hurt. No, no. He, he, he played every, like, he got very uh, overshadowed. Like if the game got out of hand, because that was another one of my uh, rookie wide receivers that I really liked last year. It was uh, T. Higgins because T. Higgins would be out there in the late, later third, fourth quarter, and they'd just kind of take A.J. Green out. So <laughs> I, I feel like, uh, yeah, the J- Jamar Chase, He's he's if you look looking in dynasty drafts and stuff, there's just he he's an overall pick. He's and you, you gotta look at that connection he had with Burrow. Yeah. So but yeah. It, but then yeah, and then you got then you got Baltimore. And it's it's they they look like they brought in a bunch of or tried to bring in some weapons with Sammy Watkins. They they drafted early with uh, Rashad Bateman. It's just so hard. Like you want, like those rookie wide receivers. I I really like. So Rashard Bateman automatically. I kind of go and look that direction. But it's it's just so hard to get behind anything. They they've been so under the passing the average league passing rate for the last two years and stuff with Lamar. You just you got to look at that quarterback. It just does not work out. Yeah, I, I mean you look at that and you get kind of go, is it? Are they not passing? I'm not saying that Lamar Jackson's going to pass more than he runs because I think that the reason Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson is because he runs. But do you think he'll be more apt to pass if he has talented people like Sammy Watkins and Rashad Bateman? I'm not going to say Sammy Watkins is talented because Sammy Watkins uh, failed me so many times over the years. Uh, And so he's decent. Um, I don't think he's a good wide receiver too. I would, you know, very much stay away from him. But if these guys, Marquise Brown is pretty good. He's disappeared in the past. Uh, but if Bateman and, and, and Brown can really step up their game, maybe you see some better passing numbers than you did last year. Cause Lamar Jackson really fell off. Um, but as wide receiver threes, I think either of these guys are, are, you know, pretty good I, I like i like your ravens picks the person that i'm really into this year which i have no idea why uh Shedig said you know they're a diamond dozen or just forget about them t higgins t higgins looked amazing last year as a rookie one of those guys that burrow really looked for uh i mean we forget this guy was coming off a year where he was one of the top touted receivers coming in the draft, got to play with Burrow. I mean, that, that helps a lot, 
but I just remember I had him on my team for a good amount of time. He's a touchdown a week kind of guy. And this was when AJ Green, Green was still around. So T Higgins as a number two, I think is going to be amazing. I think he is a guy that can rival those top 25 guys and, and really, uh, really show up next year. Chase Claypool is my other one. He was boomer bust last year. I really think that you're right in that he um, has surpassed Deontay Johnson, even though maybe the depth chart might not say it, but he can play slot. He can play outside and he's somebody that Ben's going to be looking for. Uh, I like Claypool. I I think that, uh, you know, he's the kind of guy that can have that three, four touchdown game. I think he had a four touchdown game last year Uh, and, and just blow up your week and, and win you a few weeks. And, if a receiver can come out and win you two to three weeks on his own, uh, he's definitely worth drafting. So I, th- I think Chase Claypool could be that guy. Uh, let's move on to an exciting division, AFC West. This is a, a, a division that everybody has their eyes on, especially for offense. So, Neil, what do you got for AFC West? For AFC West, you gonna you going to talk about those uh, Kansas City? Is that you or me? I mean – you can talk about whoever you want. I've got a guy on AFC in the AFC West on the Chiefs that I'd like to talk to talk about, but uh, you know. Okay, well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a uh, good old Keenan Allen over there, and uh, oh, I almost said San Diego. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, LA, LA Chargers over there. I I really like Keenan Allen. I really like his consistency. Um, I think uh, three out of the last four years, he's been over a hundred catches that that might be that might not be right but he's 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 very close to it I I think he's he he's gotten over his injury issues that he kind of seemed to nag him early on in his career um and I I think he dropped like last year he dropped all the way where are you shoot you know he was wide receiver 23 off the board. It, ju- it just seems crazy, but we it was the, I guess, the Tyrod Taylor effect. Yeah. Dude, punctured lung, man. Tur- turned out to be uh, wrong on that because Herbert. <laughs> yeah, you know, Keenan Allen uh, benefited quite a bit from uh, that punctured lung. Mm-hmm. Uh, so- somebody had the inside job there. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, Ke- Keenan Allen, I-, I really like him this year. Herbert. Is just seems phenomenal, and he's just going to continue to chuck it around the field. So I, I really like Keenan Allen as a solid option this year. Okay, all right. Should I think how about the, how about the, that division, AFC West? What do you got? Uh, I, I mean, I, I love everything that Neil said about Keenan Allen. Guys, guys, a beast. Um, obviously, up in uh, Kansas City, you've got Tyreek. I mean, I, to me, there's not much behind Tyreek just because Kelsey gobbles up most of the other targets. Um, and then while Denver and uh, Oakland aren't a bevy of amazing wide receivers, they are a bevy of very mediocre wide receivers that you can get very late for probably a very good price because both Jerry Judy and, and Cortland are very talented. They just have, for, have to suffer the woes of their quarterback play, which you know, they could still uh, gobble up a good amount of targets and have a decent year. So if you get them late, you know, past round 10, they can be some great value. Same with the wide receivers in Oakland, who 
Henry Ruggs uh, uh, is a great wide receiver. John Brown, if he stays healthy, can be a great wide receiver. And their real their biggest problem is that Darren Waller is an amazing uh, tight end. So it's it's you know one of those things that if you can get him at a good value, I think these wide receivers can be a great wide receiver three bench filler for you. Yeah, uh, I'm going to talk about Miko. Sammy Watkins is gone, so. Michael Hardman, one of my favorite receivers since he's been in the league. Uh, I, I feel like he's just got that speed that makes you go, whoa. Uh, and, and you know, you put he's, – he's still going to run in the slot a lot, but, uh, you know, you get him consistent playing time where he's on the field all the time, uh, no matter who is in the lineup. I know sometimes they'd have Watkins. They'd split Kelsey in the slot. They'd do all kinds of things. Michael would ride the pine. Miko won't come off the field this year, or at least he shouldn't. Uh, and if he can get, you know, somewhere in the range of 60 to 70 receptions in that Kansas City offense, I mean, look out. You could see double-digit uh, touchdowns. You could see some end-around touchdowns. You could see all kinds of different packages go his way. He is uh, just as electric, I think, in my mind, as Tyree Kill. He's just not getting the playing time. So I love Miko Harmon, and I love him as a wide receiver, too. I think he's just amazing. Uh, and uh, he's definitely on my radar again. And I'll talk about Jerry Judy, another second year guy, uh, Jerry Judy, uh, regardless of quarterback play, uh, is going to be, uh, you know, somebody to look for in our, uh, first page folks. Uh, I'm sorry. He was second page. Um, as far as people who are top 25 in targets, he was the only one that wasn't owned in our, uh, in our league at, to end the year last year. Uh, more targets than Chase Claypool, more targets than Tyler Board, more targets than CeeDee Lamb. Uh, the list goes on. The guy got 113 targets. They know he's talented. I know he only caught 52 of them, which is just absolutely awful to have that kind of catch percentage lower than 2%. But yes, I'm going to put that on Drew Locke, and I'm going to put that on the on the situation they had. If Jerry Judy can get uh, just as many opportunities this year. I guarantee he ups that catch percentage from less than 50% to, you know, somewhere around 60, 75%, that many more caught balls, that many more touchdowns. Jerry Judy, I still think is one of the most talented receivers in that last year's draft. And that's a, saying a lot because there were some really good receivers, Jefferson, Pittman, T Higgins, uh, you know, Henry Ruggs, et cetera. And, and CD lamp, Jerry Judy, is gonna be a star. I think in the future he'll be wide receiver one. Maybe not this year under Drew Locke, but uh, you know going forward, he reminds me a lot of Julio Jones in the, in the way he plays. It's somebody that I, I know that in most drafts you're gonna have to fight over. He's not a secret. Uh, he plays for a a team that I think is underwhelming on the passing end, but uh, he he's he's gonna be somebody you're probably gonna have to end up fighting over. So. Yeah. Can I say one thing about Miko? Sure, go ahead. Because, yeah, I, I was going to possibly go that route, but it was kind of the other way. I've So 2019, Miko Hardman, 59, uh, wide receiver 59. Uh-huh. We, got, we got higher hopes and everything. Shedding had really high hopes, drafted him, wide receiver 15, round five. Last yep. year, wide receiver 54, he ends up about seven points a game for like, these are, these are fantasy pro stats. Yeah. But Reek was at about 19. So big, big old difference. Yeah. 
Reek was really efficient last year. Does he not where, go quite where, as efficient? Where was Sammy Watkins? Where was Sammy Watkins? That's what I was I was going to say is it, Sammy Watkins has to either be sandwiched in there or down with with uh, Miko. I don't think Sammy Watkins is worth a damn either. Yeah, I, I just I, I the, the it's hard when like even in good offenses for good offenses to have three solid passing options, oh. and that is Kelsey and that is Reek, mm-hmm. and I just it, it's it's I just don't see it concentrated enough in Miko and as like that third guy. To I like, mean, I I would really enjoy somebody in our draft to take me cold some too high because yeah, that would be, that'd be enjoyable to watch. Probably somebody that won't listen to this podcast. Right. I, I like, I even had here throw out this question. Is he even draftable? Like he, he like, like last year, last year there was 63 wide receivers taken. He, he, he's like sitting at wide receiver 60 and 55. So yeah, I, yeah, he, he's way down there for me. I, I, I don't know if the Sammy Watkins thing does much because I just think that if, it, if he doesn't look Reek, if he doesn't look Kelsey, he's not like Reek. He, he, he looks Reek, Kelsey, Reek one more time and then runs it. <laughs> exactly. And, and I would say I would agree with you on most other wide receivers that we're talking about. I'd say, oh, yeah, you know, maybe you're right. But – uh, Miko has is, is multifaceted in the fact that he can get end rounds. Uh, they like to give him the end around. They like to play with him. Uh, you know, he is the ultimate receiver for a Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, extend that pocket, get open with that speed. So I I I, I like Miko. I like when we, if they readjust the game plan without Sammy Watkins, I'd like to see what they do. And I think that his ceiling could be a wide receiver too. I think that he could be a first page kind of guy. Uh, I think that the chiefs are open to having multiple wide receivers who they, uh, who they feature. I don't think reek is going to be that guy to be the, the uh, you know, breadwinner by himself as he has in the past at, at the receiver position. I think that he's going to have to share with somebody. I think Miko can be that guy. So um Yes, past would say that Miko has. We've had high hopes for him in the past. You know, I'm willing to bet that this this could be that year where it comes to fruition. So we'll just, we'll just have to see. Um, let's head over to the NFC. Let's head over to the NFC South. This is a fun one. Uh, Neil, tell me about the NFC South. Who do you like there? Um, when I'm looking at the NFC South, I'm I'm trying to see value and. I feel like the Tampa Bay situation was kind of like over in, I guess, Pittsburgh. It didn't end up as well last year, but it, or it did. It, Pittsburgh didn't end up as well last year, but there, there's just so much going on in Tampa Bay. I just don't know. Um, with New Orleans, you just don't know about the quarterback situation, which really affects Michael Thomas because it seems like Drew Brees was – you know, they, they, they lived off the slant. I, I watched, you know, he had 10 catches for 100 yards because it's always like a little first down or something. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Jameis Winston can do that. I don't know if Michael Thomas and Jameis Winston together will mesh very well. And then I think it's just obvious in Atlanta, uh, Calvin Ridley. There's not much else behind him. But so so I, I, I kind of venture over to Carolina and look, look at some value 
everybody talks about DJ Moore. I just have never been on board with him. I, I, I don't know why. He seems like a little bit of an undersized receiver, and it, it seems like he's the number one option when I don't think he should be. Otherwise, people will be looking over at Terrence Marshall. He's going to take over this Curtis Samuel role, but it wasn't very fruitful last year either. And, you know, they got Sam Darnold. But I like Robbie Anderson because last year he did it with Teddy Bridgewater. He was another – I think it was Scott Hedeman that drafted him late. Uh, yeah. I think it was like 19th round. Uh, second to last round, got Robbie Anderson – Served it, yeah, like you say, front page. Uh, I think he was the 24th wide receiver in our league, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, that was with Teddy Bridgewater. And I don't think Teddy's much of an upgrade over in Denver, so I and I've always been kind of a Darnold fan, whether you want to punch him in the face or not. Well, but, I mean, Darnold and Robbie Anderson started out together, so they I are guess, rejoined. Yes, that is very true, very true. Over a uh, thousand yeah. yards, three touchdowns with yeah, the Panthers last that, year. That's that's another point. I just he he's like one of the biggest candidates for gr- regression in the positive way. It's over a thousand yards, but to only get three touchdowns, I think, yeah, that that's hopefully going to improve. Though offensive line hasn't improved much there, so Darnold's probably just going to get smushed again. So there might not be much time for Robbie Anderson to run his routes, but if. if if I'm going with value where I'm picking them to where I think they're going to end up, give me, give me Robbie Anderson, Carolina. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Shedek? I think this division has a lot of question marks, and you can use those question marks to your advantage in your drafts because while, yes, you don't know what's going to happen with the quarterback situation in, in uh, New Orleans – it's probably going to go Jameis Winston just because he has more upside than uh, than uh, Taysom Hill. And if it and if it goes Jameis Winston, then I mean you know that uh, Mike Evans had great wide, wide receiver years before Tom Brady got there with Jameis Winston. So Michael Thomas could definitely fit into that same kind of role and have a bit, very big year. Um, I, I would I would play the upside on him, and I think he would drop in most drafts. Uh, as far as Tampa Bay, obviously, yeah, there's tons of mouths to feed, but. Because of that, you can let somebody else pay high for, say, Mike Evans or Chris Godwin and get the other one later. And AB can still be an excellent value to get late and later rounds because if one of them, one of the other two goes down, then he's going to be, he can step in and be a monster immediately. Uh, You know, I think Calvin Ridley is used to being the number one guy since Julio Jones used to always get hurt there in Atlanta anyway. So he can, he won't have any problem being the main guy, but Russell Gage, I think is the best value you could get there in Atlanta. I think he'll be very, uh, he'll drop in most people draft just because he was okay guy la- uh, rookie last year, but he really actually had some great games and was pretty, pretty consistent. I think he'll have a great year uh, in his second year. So this division, like I said, has a lot of good question marks, even with uh, Sam Darnold over in Carolina, like Neil was saying, I think he should be able to get some of those ghosts out of his head from New York and move on by uh, reconnecting with Robbie Anderson, just like Huck was saying. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm in on Robbie Anderson. I didn't know y'all were so in on Robbie Anderson. So that's noted uh, that, that he is, you know, that it's not going unseen that he's reconnecting with Darnold and is somebody to look at over there in Carolina with a quarterback that actually likes to throw than rather than just manage uh, somebody I'm going to talk to. There's a lot of obvious people to talk to in this vision. I have 
always been on Calvin Ridley uh, since the beginning, since he's came in the league. Now without Julio, um, I still think he succeeds. I still think he's somebody to take his top five receiver in the league. Uh, Matt Ryan's going to work his magic through him, him and Russell Gage. I think Russell Gage, somebody to look at, you know, you got Michael Thomas, you got tons of people to pick from, uh, you know, all the goblin and everybody over there. Mike, Mike Evans. I want to talk about Scotty Miller. I know he's the fourth wide receiver there in Tampa Bay, uh, but he is the guy that every Tom Brady team has uh, that, that is a success year after year. Um, you know, and I'm not trying to get racial or whatever, but that, that small, short white guy, Tom Brady loves to throw to. He's had it with Edelman. He had it with Welker. He's had it, you know, every year in the past, Scotty Miller is that guy. He's going to get his playing time. They like to one wide, uh, four wide receiver sets. And he's had some history with Scotty, and and I really think that Scotty Miller is one of those guys that you take at the end of the draft. If I mean, you're going to see injuries. Mike Evans is made of glass. Uh, he's a really talented wide receiver, but he's going to miss at least two or three weeks. And Scotty Miller, if you said, uh, you know, I, I can offer you a um, a a receiver that's in the top three in Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, for a 20th, 21st round pick, you definitely take it. And I think Scotty Miller is going to be that guy. Um, somebody that I might steal at the end of a draft in, in most of my drafts, somebody just take a, a chance on uh, because he's really talented. He's really fast and he can catch. So uh, Scotty Miller is somebody to look out for. How about let's go to one of my divisions that I'm most excited about, NFC East. Shedig, tell me about NFC East and what you think about that. The NFC East is one of those ones where I was talking about my strategy earlier with the quarterback play, because like, say the Eagles, for instance, with Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager, I think both very talented guys, but watching Jalen Hurts play football hurts a lot because he's just awful. I don't know. He's got this whole Kaepernick play style to him where he just kind of tries to backyard football, scramble it and long step everything and i just and and i keep trying to tell myself that you you are probably right with the uh, you know those talented guys can still get some play play out of it i just man that'd be hard football to watch uh, uh kenny galladay is another one of those guys i think to me that may be overvalued in most drafts just because of how good he's been in the past but going into a new situation with daniel jones i'm not a huge fan my main guy in this group is is scary Terry. I think scary Terry should have an amazing year with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. Uh, he hasn't had consistent quarterback play in the past. And that's one of those, uh, I guess, exceptions to my rule that makes you right that he's had terrible quarterback play last year and he still did great. So I think now with a better quarterback, he's, he sky's the limit for him. So I, I think that should be a great wide receiver to jump, uh, jump up into the top 10 this year. Okay. Interesting. Neil, what do you think about this uh, NFC East? Oh, NFC East. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm gravitating. I, I agree with Shedding. It's a little more exciting over there in Washington football team area, but I, I still can't get on Scary Terry. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm looking over at C.D. Lamb. I'll just talk talk about him a little bit before, he, you know, he, he already seems – up draft boards. I 
one of the things I like to do is print out kind of what just to, when I first do uh, rankings and start looking at people is it, it's like early, early May and I'll, I'll print out a, a wider or just for all positions, a ranking. And he, he was way up in like 25 and now he's, he's moving down to like 15 and all that sort of stuff. And it's just, it's just going to get even, even hotter for him when, when Dallas uh, gets on uh, hard knocks and stuff, but Maybe maybe it's because I've had Amari Cooper in the past, and it's just oh, that rubbed me wrong. He's he was boomer bust, and I know he wasn't last year. He was the model of consistency, but I just don't agree on any any uh, rankings or anybody saying that Amari Cooper should go ahead of CD Lamb. I, I think he's already surpassed him. Just put there for here. I, I think the five game sample size last year was to see what that offense is going to do when Dak is involved. And those first few games, like CD lamb was just all over the place. He he's doing, doing uh, screens. He, he was taking his own uh, carries a few times too. It just seems like he's anywhere and everywhere. And Amari Cooper, the other good option that you got to, kind of battle your head around which one should I take and just if if the game gets out of hand or or anything he's coming off early they're they're not looking to throw his way to just move the ball and keep 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 things involved so I I just I I think he will end up continuing to move up the draft board but I think it'll be worth it for whoever gets it and whoever you know probably ends up reaching for him Okay. All right. Um, I expect this division to be a lot better than it was last year. So uh, last year, obviously we had the, it's probably one of the worst divisions that, you know, as far as records concerned, as we've seen ever, uh, it was just miserable. Uh, but, you know, there were some injuries. Every team I feel like in this division has gotten better and the one that I'm going to point out the most that I think has gotten better the most from the year before is the Eagles. And I'm standing on this one. Um, I think Jalen Rager, after a year under his belt, I think Jalen Rager played a whole year almost with Carson Wentz. And it killed him. And people aren't saying the name Jalen Rager because they think that he's just not talented. Uh, but I, I'm here to tell you that Jalen Rager is all the bit talented that the Eagles thought they were when they drafted him in the first round last year. And he is a great number one or number two or zero, whatever they decide to put him at this year. Uh, and his counterpart, Devontae Smith, is also just as talented. I know he doesn't have the size. I know that was the the hate on him going into the draft. But this guy is like a mentally and you know you love to have those receivers who aren't flashy who don't talk a lot of trash who don't dress with chains and all this sort of stuff just the guys that come out there and get the job done uh Devontae Smith's that kind of guy that Calvin Johnson Andre Johnson type of guy who just come out and get the job done the the workhorses the the guys that get in the weight room those Devontae Smith's that kind of guy and uh you know he won the Heisman He's going to be somebody to look at. I like the combination with Jalen Hurts. I like him much better than Tua, you know, as far as rookie quarterbacks who may have had some ups and downs last year. 
Um, and so I like the combination of Rager, Devontae Smith. I think they're both ownable. I think they're both wide receiver three, wide receiver two type uh, type receivers. And they're going to succeed this year. One of them, I'm calling it now, and I'm willing to make this bet, one of them will be a top 10 receiver. One of them. Well, that's, pretty, that's, that's pretty bold. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty bold as far as points. But I think that uh, Jalen Hurts is the quarterback for the future for the Eagles. And so um, he may not be McNabb-style quarterback yet, but I think one day he might be. He might rival him for, for somebody that the Eagles say is a franchise-type guy that we've had for – for a long time. I know Wentz was supposed to be that guy, but I think Jalen Hurts can be that guy. And, and uh, Rager and, and Devontae Smith um, succeed in the roles as, as being the main pass catch for that team. Cause you know, they, they lost Hurts. So you got Goddard uh, and, and a decent running game. And I mean, you could see this team put up a winning record and, and compete for a wild card. So Rager, Devontae Smith, look for those guys. You can mix and match them. I think they're both great. Uh, like I said, I'm not talking about a lot of uh, rookie receivers, but Devontae Smith is one that I like and I'm going to like for a long time. Um, NFC North. Shedig, tell me about the NFC North. What do you think? Uh, you know, the NFC North is really exciting for wide receivers. I think the Detroit Lions have an amazing wide receiver core. Jared Goff is just going to go off this year. <laughs> okay. Bold <laughs> is is exactly what I want everybody else in my drafts to be thinking. Because <laughs> man, that is one shit show of an offense this year. I, I would I'd really that's one yeah, I'm just staying away from it no matter what. Even if I am buying into your rule of like wide receivers can have a good year with bad quarterback play. I'm just I'm staying away from all of that mess. But uh, you know, I think that the uh, the Bears have a lot of great talent at wide receivers that can have a great year because if Andy Dalton can stay healthy, which he probably will, and he'll probably just lose his job to maybe losing some games in general, he still has good production no matter where he is. So I think Allen Robinson could have a great year, and I think that Justin Fields will probably come on maybe week five or six or so and still be flinging the ball around to a couple great guys, Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney. So I think that's a very good value spot for wide receivers for good, you know, for an upside. I think that the bears offense is definitely somebody that a place that people usually avoid for pass catchers. So I, but could definitely have a great upside this year. Uh, then obviously you have Devonte Adams, which we've been talking about with Rogers. It's just such a big question mark. I, I think somebody will probably end up taking them at some point. Uh, Devonte Adams, I think he could still be decent with Jordan Love, but you, just, you never know. And, and Jordan Love will probably have growing pains. So it, it's a bit of a question mark for uh, division and wide receivers in that, in that respect. Okay. All right, Neil, what do you think? Um, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with, with the Chicago take and Allen, Allen Robinson. He He's last year drafted wide receiver 22 for the second straight year, I think he's top 10 wide receiver, at least right there in our league, 14 teams. That is a wide receiver one. Mm -hmm. It's just, God, how do you convince somebody in our league to use a wide receiver one draft pick on Allen Robinson? I, I, I feel even at five or six last year, it was like, oh, Allen Robinson. But he's shown that he's going to do it with, 
you know, multiple bad quarterbacks. So I, I, I agree with that take. And he's, yeah, Justin Fields coming on later could really open things up for him. But uh, talking about the wasteland in Detroit, um, I, 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 one of my wide receiver things that I also like to do, you know, everybody's got to look at uh, targets vacated. Like there's no Kenny Galladay there. There is no Marvin Jones there. Yes, there is TJ Hawkinson, but, you know, it seems like there's not much else. So, hey, let's smother TJ Hawkinson. That could leave. And then I, I see here Tyrell Williams. That, that's just not going to happen. Um, Brashard Perryman, I guess he's trying to revive his career. And it seems like he kind of looks good near the end of the year with somebody and moves on to the next team. But – I always go back to rookies and stuff, and I'm on St. Brown, brother of uh, – I've never even – Equinamius? Yeah, he's, he's his brother out of uh, USC. Wow. And I think he was only like a – I don't know if my, my data is wrong here, but he's a little bit of a lower pick. He's not like a first or second rounder or anything, but – yeah, I, I've I've uh, I've been seeing little blurbs that he's uh, getting getting close with. Um, oh, blanked on the quarterback, Jared Goff. Jared Goff. Jay, he uh, he's getting a little close to Jared Goff, and Goff's trying to teach him the Cooper Cup role. So mm-hmm. so you you never know with that, and there's just so many so many targets. I feel like they'll be four three and out a bunch, but <laughs> there, there, there's a lot of targets to go around between all these poor, poor wide receivers. And I think they're going to give some of the younger guys a chance. And, you know, this, this could be a later round crapshoot. Ah, he's talking about the blurbs. It's blurb season. It's going to be blurb season come late July when they go back to training camp. I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's awesome. All right. So I want to talk about Adam Thielen. This is, I feel like this is a guy that we forgot about. I feel like this is a guy that nobody talks about, Adam Thielen, how good he is. Adam Thielen has like been one of the most consistent receivers since he came in the league like three or four years ago. He's week after week a wide receiver one slash two. I mean, that's just how it is. Um, he finished as uh, what, wide receiver nine last year, uh, 14 touchdowns. Uh, which uh, was was third in the league. I mean, we're talking about finished more touchdowns than Mike Evans, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, uh, Calvin Ridley. I mean, these are big receivers that we had, and he had 14. Um, we all hate on Kirk Cousins and the play he has, but he, he does produce some pretty good receivers. I think that Adam Thielen is somebody that you can really steal because no one wants to talk about him. Just like Neil was talking about how unsexy uh, Allen Robinson is, Adam Thielen is probably double unsexy that. Like, I don't even think that makes sense. But it's just somebody that nobody is talking about. It's somebody that's going to fly under the radar. I guarantee Ridley in most drafts goes ahead of Thielen. I guarantee you get A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf and, and, you know, Stefan Diggs and all these people going, and Chris Godwin, above Thielen and Thielen will just get forgotten about and just may slide down to a fourth, fifth, sixth round slot. 
Thielen is a great receiver, uh, very consistent from year to year, somebody that you definitely can find value in. And there's another guy that I've been talking about since last year. Um, uh, you know, I watched a lot of Bears games last year, as bad as it was. Uh, they had, yeah, very poor uh, quarterback play. Okay, they, they missed a lot of receivers. Uh, Darnell Mooney was a guy where I think – Probably five, six, seven times. I said, man, he killed that route. He made that corner look silly. And he either didn't get the look or got overthrown or underthrown. And I I feel like if he just had a quarterback, if he just had somebody that could get him the ball, uh, is Andy Dalton that guy? I I don't know. We'll, We'll see. But I think Darnell Mooney is a really, really, really talented receiver. I think he is super underrated and is somebody that's going to slide into the back of a lot of people's drafts, probably a wide receiver four, um, something along those lines. But Darnell Mooney has the, um, the wherewithal, the upside to be a wide receiver two, wide receiver three kind of guy, a, a guy that could you know sneak up and get 100 uh, balls, maybe like a Jameson Crowder type. Uh, if, if he got some, some decent, uh, looks his way, definite Darnell Mooney fan, not again, not just this next season, but going forward for the bears. I think he's going to be a big piece of their team last division. And thank you all for, for listening for an hour and a half. Uh, again, these, these analysis shows can go on forever. Maybe you're listening to it at work. Maybe you're on a drive. Maybe you're doing something, you know, Get some wide receiver knowledge from people who think they know what they're talking about. Uh, thank you for listening this week. NFC West, last division. Shedig, tell me what you think of this division and uh, who you like. I think this is a great division for wide receivers. A lot, a lot of great talent here. And I'm not being sarcastic like I was last time. Um, th- there really is a lot of great talent here. I was going to mention one small blurb, though. Did uh, either one of you hear uh, Kyle Shanahan's uh, words on Sean McVay's podcast recently about how he was upset that he was not quicker to move on uh, Matthew Stafford? Shanahan was was upset that he didn't do that. Mm. No, I, I you mean I, in the in the trade market or in draft? Yeah. The trade market. Kyle Shanahan mm. was upset that he didn't move on Matthew Stafford before Sean, Sean McVay did. I mean, just, I mean, not, not as if drafting Trey Lance wasn't big enough slap in the face to Jimmy Garoppolo. And already he went out and said this on a podcast. I just, I, I it just made me chuckle. Like, like Kyle Shanahan, like does not care. He's an open book. Like, look, either be the best there ever was, or I'll find somebody else that is basically. And, you know, you just got to put up with that. And it's like either, you know, just be the go basically, you know, I, I, I thought that was very funny. I wanted to get your guys' opinion on that. Yeah. I mean, Garoppolo, uh, I believe after last season was somebody that people looked at and just said, eh, it's not, it's probably not going to happen. Sorry. Uh, you're just not the quarterback of the, of the, uh, of the 49ers of the future. And I, I really honestly think that uh, that that was set in stone last year. Now, do I think Garoppolo takes the field week one uh, when they 
when they play week one. Yeah, I, I do. I think Garoppolo has a has the uh, kickoff, but he has to be perfect, absolutely perfect. Uh, remember the tight style, or he's out. And so, uh, you know, it is sad that Shanahan says that, but it is the life of the NFL quarterback. If you suck, if you, if you go to a Super Bowl and you fail, I mean, we've seen it with Rex Grossman. We've seen it with other quarterbacks who they, they get there and they, it seems like they're having a, you know, a, a good career kickoff and then they're just, they're gone. Um, so, so yeah, I don't know. Interesting. I, like I said, I just wanted to bring up that little blurb, but uh, back to the NFC West uh, wide receivers. Uh, I think specifically there, and like you know, like you're talking about San Francisco. That's one of those teams, kind of like we talked about, with some great uh, talent at wide receiver at wide receivers and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. But they've been suffering the Jimmy Garoppolo uh, curse, basically. But Trey Lance could come in later in the year and, and really help them shine. But uh, to me, DeAndre Hopkins is probably one of the best like top tier wide receivers to get just because he gobbles up so many targets. And he did that in his first year in Arizona last year after no training camp. And yes, they added AJ green and yes, Christian Kirk is coming back and yes, they drafted someone else, but it doesn't matter. Kurt, I think Deandre Hopkins is going to be his first and probably second read every single play. So it's, it's one of those guys that if you are going to be, if you're going to target a top tier wide receiver, I think he, you really can't go wrong with him. And the other one is Matthew Stafford over in uh, the, at, for the Rams, I think is going to bring Cooper cup and Robert Woods play up a lot because Matthew Stafford is a beast. And that's why I just kind of want to bring up that blurb uh, yeah. about Kyle and wanting him because Stafford has made, you know, Kenny, Kenny Galladay's and Calvin Johnson's, you know, have career stats. So I think Cooper cup and Robert Woods should follow suit. Okay. I mean, that's fair enough. And I agree with you on that. I think that Cooper cup, I mean, I don't think Robert Woods needs to step up his game from last year. I think Robert Woods was a fine wide receiver too. Uh, you know, and, and in some cases wide receiver one, and especially on some weeks. Uh, so, but Cooper cup definitely was lacking. I mean, we saw this guy really step up his game two years ago with Jared Goff. last year. He took a hit. I mean, that was mainly due to terrible quarterback play, but, uh, but yeah, that, whole situation over there in, in Los Angeles um, with with the Rams. I mean, we could see something amazing happen. It's exciting to see Stafford outside of his element in, in Detroit, so uh, it should be fun to watch. Neil, tell me, what do you like about this division? Yeah, I, I have to kind of piggyback on that, but slightly veer a different direction because, yeah, I, I think Matthew Stafford going to – the Rams is, is great for his career. Just, just a little exciting. Get him out of Detroit. That was just no, nothing was going to happen there. Mm-hmm. So with the receivers, I, I, I think, yeah, I think Robert Woods and Cooper cup get slight upticks because of an, uh, a better quarterback, but I think Robert Woods actually gets dinged a little bit because I feel that he was Goff's safety net at certain times because Robert Woods is one of those juju guys from last year that very, very few air yards per target. Robert Woods isn't getting anything downfield. I I just don't see that translating into Stafford's game as much. Yeah, Stafford is really – 
kind of he, he, he'll mold to the situation and he'll kind of throw a sideways pass over to, you know, his wide receiver in, in, in the instance. But I, I think plays drawn up what he wants to do, I think suits Cooper cup more last or 2019 Cooper cup was like a top five wide receiver. So last year going into the draft, Cooper cup was quite a bit ahead of Robert Woods. Cooper cup went early uh, wide receiver 12. And then two rounds later, I could get Robert Woods at right wide receiver 29. And they, they got the same value. I, I think it kind of comes back the other way this year. They're kind of right there. Which one do you get first? But I think the, the play of Stafford and the way he plays will end up benefiting Cooper Cup more than Robert Woods. And, uh, yeah, I kind of like Cooper Cup this year. Okay. That's fair. Um, I am big on DK Metcalf. I know it's obvious. We went in with something obvious, something clean, something uh, that's probably a sure thing. DK Metcalf's physical freak. Uh, he, he's just one of those guys where, uh, you know, you put him on the field and with any corner and uh, he strikes fear just looking at him. Uh, he's somebody that he's, he didn't finish it. Did he finish as a wide receiver one last year? Uh, yeah, he, he did. did. He, he beat Tyler Lockett. Yeah. yeah, so he's seven. No, but I'm just talking about was he one of the top fourteen? Uh, no. You know, in our league, he was number seven. Barely, barely. No, number seven. I mean, that's pretty. Oh, Two hundred forty-two points. Thing. I'm looking at the wrong thing. Yeah, I mean, if you, uh, no, I'm sorry. Was he number seven? No, he was he number is, six. Uh, five or six. He was number six. six. Two hundred forty-two points. I mean, he had double-digit touchdowns, thirteen hundred and three yards. Uh, you know, he caught most of his targets, eighty-three out of one twenty-nine. He's just amazing. I can't believe this guy got drafted in the second round uh, in in the NFL draft. But yeah, he's somebody that should definitely go as a number one. I could see him being a top five receiver uh, going into the year. Uh, Russell Wilson is somebody that you can always count on uh, to help receivers. I think Lockett, I said this last year before the season started, I think Lockett has taken a back seat. I think he's started to uh, decline. I see. I think you see the ball spread out a lot more. Uh, than you have in years past um, with these guys. And I think Metcalf's going to get his share. Um, definitely be uh, one of those top five guys. Uh, another guy that I like, uh, you know, especially if we see Trey Lance play, is Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk's the guy you can get in, in space and go score a touchdown. Um, you know, he's, he's going to be a reliable target. We didn't see a lot of Debo Samuel last year. We, we, he was injured for most of it. And uh, Ayuk really stepped up as that number one guy. I don't think that changes this year. I think Debo is definitely going to be involved. Uh, but, you know, this off- offense is all, always an enigma. Uh, you know, Kittle, uh, like 10 different running backs and, and some receivers. But, you know, on, on certain weeks, uh, these receivers really step up and, and get you the points you need to win the week. So uh, I like Ayuk. I think Ayuk, uh, they drafted him in the first round last year. It was the first round, right? End of first round? I believe. I, I yeah. can't confirm. Yeah, because they were in the Super Bowl. I think that was their – that was pick 31. Um, but Ayuk is definitely, uh, out of Arizona State, a guy that you should really uh, keep an eye on. Again, one of those second years. You see the theme. Ayuk, Darnell Mooney, Rager, Jerry Judy, Chase Claypool, 
uh, Michael Pittman Jr. Second year guys, love them. Uh, you know, it's just it's kind of kind of my thing. Um, but but that's just about it, guys. I, I I really enjoyed talking to you guys about wide receivers. I think Neil's right. I think it's super super deep, and you can kind of wait on them. Uh, you don't have to dig in like we've talked about with tight ends and in some instances kicker as well. Um, you can wait, you can get value. Uh, you don't have to jump on, on those top guys, but you know, if, if it suits you and and you feel like you want to be an expert, you want to be somebody like Neil, uh, maybe jump in and get those guys like Devonte Adams, get those guys like uh, AJ Brown and DK Metcalf and, and spend some top picks on. Is there anything you guys want to say before we uh, say goodbye for the week, Shedig? No, just uh, getting excited for football, getting excited for our, the draft. I'm getting excited for hard knocks coming up. Uh, you know, like a lot of things in general. I mean, this weekend should be exciting. I mean, you have the finals of Wimbledon, the Euro finals. Uh, I, I, know, I don't know if you guys are NHL fans. We just had uh, the Lightning uh, won mm-hmm. uh, the Stanley Cup the other night, and they seem to be very good sports about it. Um, you know, they, you know, it seemed like they didn't have anything to say that would make them sore winners, which is probably the dumbest thing I've ever seen. But, you know, they could show a good example of that. But, you know, there's a lot of exciting things going on. Yeah. NBA Finals tonight, uh, Bucks Suns, which is like, exactly. which is crazy. Uh, Who you are know, you taking? Of- Who are you taking for the NBA Finals tonight? Yeah, I got the Bucks tonight. Um, I, I I like the Bucks for the series, um, but this is like one of those. I, I'm really into sports things that haven't happened in my lifetime, and the Bucks have never been good. I mean, there's certain people like like the Lions, obviously, and the Browns, and you know all these teams in the NFL and the MLB um, that have really never been good. I mean, I'm 33 years old. And it would be nice to see some of these teams. The Bucks and the Suns have never been really good. I mean, yeah, the Suns had their little blur back in the 90s with Charles Barkley and, uh, you know, the others. But, like, seeing these two teams play for the finals, that's nice. That's that's interesting. I like that. That's uh, that's fun. But I like the Bucks to win. I think Giannis deserves it. But uh, But, yeah, Neil, anything to say before we go? Well, I'm I'm just gonna say uh, just the opposite of that. I, I I'm I'm all over the Suns. I, I I want I want to see them win. Uh, for some reason, they just seem like an easy team to bandwagon because yeah, I had no no reason to like them before. But one thing I wanted to say back on wide receivers before we go, I, I feel like everybody that comes on does an expert thing. Nothing ever goes exactly right for them. Yahoo keeps or Yahoo likes to send you a little email every time somebody sends you a trade. So there is nice evidence to look back on this to confirm and, you know, look at it. But I think it would be cool if somebody would say the trade of the past year that they declined or something that they shouldn't have. Cause I, I got a big one regarding wide receivers. I think it was, Week four or five, Todd Gurley was going strong, but we all knew it wasn't going to last. 
Mr. Justin Jefferson had not done what he had done. And the person who beat me in the finals offered me Justin Jefferson for Todd Gurley straight up, and I declined it. It's just, it's just one that makes me vomit at this point. So. And, and see, that, that's one of those things that I'm gonna, I was going to talk about in the next draft, on um, the next podcast, which would be the running backs one. Is just that, you know, maybe going wide receivers over running backs could be uh, some a strategy, just because running backs get hurt so much. They get hurt so much. Every play is just like, oh, are you hurt? Yeah, probably. You know, like that, that running back death death zone, you know, instead of going going for that running back that you're re- reaching on, you know, there, there's a there's a plethora of wide receivers out there. There are. But, I mean, there's a plethora of running backs, too. And uh, we will actually be getting into that next week uh, with our expert. I don't know you guys heard of him on running backs from last year. That is Neil. Again, mm. yeah, yeah. So you get to talk with us Very for another. Exciting. I should have a championship, right? If I'm on here two two weeks in a row. Or uh, I am on here uh, four weeks. So yeah, and uh, <laughs> we'll give you an extra drink at the draft. How about that? Yeah, there you go. Well, cheers to Neil at the draft. Uh, but thank you guys. We appreciate your time listening to us. Uh, we'll be back next week with running backs. Like we said, same time, same place. See ya.